All right, the sun is dying out. The world has one last hope, and it's a bunch of... It's just a bunch of diverse people on a, on a rocket ship headed towards the sun to set up a bomb and reignite it. This is Sunshine by Danny Boyle. So, Jared, we were talking before, and we already, like, Rotten Tomatoes game was kind of ruined. We Someone <laughs> saw the score in accident, but you, you said it was, it's 77, and you were like, wow, I'm surprised it was that high. Um, first of all, did you like the movie? And oh, uh, yeah, I, I did. I did. Um, okay. I, I enjoyed it because, um, I don't know, like I've always said that I like sci fi movies, but I mean, obviously, podcasting with Jordan for the past year, um, I've kind of like given a newfound appreciation of sci fi movies just because of the way that Jordan explains them or when he, <laughs> the way that he talks about them. It's just like it gives me like a different thought, and so like. This movie kind of went in like hard sci-fi. Tried to do like the hard sci-fi thing, mm-hmm. and so like I never made this distinction in sci-fi movies like hard sci-fi or just like way out of left field sci-fi. But this movie like obviously was extreme and like hey we're gonna fly to the sun, but they tried to do like a hard approach to it like based in a little bit of realism, and so like mm-hmm. I like that approach. And so like when I watched this movie this time, I had a new lens to see the movie through and so the sci-fi portions of the movie i really did enjoy man there that's one of the things i wanted to talk about is this like in the top the upper tier of like just sci-fi movies that are more grounded you know and kind of based in our our world you know you got like star wars and stuff that's that's like fantasy sci-fi but like stuff like the blade runners and would you count alien too because that's kind of like a a a Realistic sci-fi movie. There just well, happens I would to take be the an first, alien. like the first, the first one. They, one, yeah, yeah, yeah the first they, one. I mean, I was saying, like, jump the shark is usually used as a bad term, but in this case, I use jump the shark as a good term. Or they just went like, okay, now we're just gonna go fantasy sci-fi style. More aliens. Oh. Yeah, but yeah. I meant I meant to say alien. If I said alien, yeah, okay, I meant the yeah. First so the first one, one okay, I kind of I, I agree with you on that. One. This is just a genre I like, though. I don't know why, man. Um Moon is another one I thought was. Moon is probably one of the hardest yeah. sci-fi's <laughs> of the hard sci-fi's I would say. I like it, it's, man. It's up there with watching the series Expanse, right there. It's I don't know. I just like this this category of film. Uh, Brad Pitt had Ad Astra recently, which was really good. Oh, Ad Astra is probably like one of my favorites. I loved it, and it was beautiful as well. Yeah, he's such a good-looking dude. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean the movie. Oh, we're talking it. about the okay, the movie. Yeah, yeah, the movie. I, I know. I'm just thinking. <laughs> we all know he has a big man crush for him. Put the just, boner down, or just, just want to just want to reiterate how good looking Brad Pitt is. Um. Anyways, yeah, this movie. I don't know, man. It just does it for me. So it already has like one thumbs up for me out of two, just on the fact that it's it's a sci-fi movie that's really grounded and it's just just a good time you know I'm, I'm i know there's flaws but goddamn, it's a good time yorton oh we're gonna get to the flaws um but <laughs> no i'm just we're gonna stay on i'm trying to stay on the positive because there was positive. like i'm not saying trying to like i it's easy to stay on the positive of this movie um i really like the ensemble cast as well oh yeah the cast uh, was fantastic yeah um shout out michelle yo oh my goodness i just love michelle yo um 
<laughs> we, we've said that several times in this podcast. <laughs> it's like, wow, we've got a, quite a few of our movies. Yeah, and then obviously Chris Evans was just awesome. He's then we had good old Benedict Wong, but rest in peace, Benedict Wong. Um, <laughs> in this movie, obviously Killian Murphy mm-hmm. or Cillian Murphy. How do we pronounce that right? I say Cillian. I still I don't know. I mix it up every time. I thought it was a hard C, so like Killian. Hey, I I don't know. I call him Scarecrow. Just. <laughs> Um, you can tell this was one of Rose Bryan's first movies, um, or like she was just breaking in because in this movie she tried to do the American accent, but her <laughs> accent kept breaking throughout the movie. And it's just like, well, but when you watch her movies, like now, like she doesn't even like, Hey, I'm just going to talk like I'm from Australia anyways. And so she doesn't even try an American accent because in this movie, when she did it, like, there were certain scenes where she got really emotional, so she was trying to act, but then she was also stopping focusing on trying to get the accent down. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it, it was just so funny to watch her like, hey, show emotion, but no accent, or accent and no emotion. Well, man, it's Which funny. I sure think is funny, because you really don't need her to be doing an American accent. Well, that's like, what I was like, saying. Like, you don't, like, it's not needed in this movie, but yeah, she's still so- doing it. <laughs> if she's not doing a good job at it. Just, just stop and go back. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> like there's no reason. It's funny you brought up Michelle Yeoh because when I was doing the trivia research, apparently Danny Boyle saw like um, the world's not enough, and was like, I wanna, I wanna get her, I wanna like have her uh, audition for this movie, and he was so blown away by the audition, he said, "You can pick any role you want. I will switch a male character to a, a, a female character," and she just happen to choose the biologist or whatever so i just thought it was really good i, I want to see that audition <laughs> she she played a very different character than how she normally is and i i, I like that fact i would have bought her as the captain too you know thinking about it like if she was the captain i'd be like yeah okay well i mean yeah she's just that kind of presence so it didn't really matter what role she mm-hmm. i mean like she's one of the more underrated actresses like that we obviously have clearly seen a number of <laughs> movies from her. Um, but every time she's in the movie, we're like, oh, no, she's like really good. But then when, you, when we take a step back out of this podcast, well, that we do, we kind of like, oh, yeah, she, she kind of falls by the wayside. So I would say she's a bit underrated. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the reasons I love Danny Boyle is like this is a really good script, but it's also a script or if it's in the hands of someone who doesn't have a clear vision, it becomes just a generic Netflix sci-fi movie and very forgettable. But some of the shots Danny Boyle had in this movie were unreal. Like just like inside the helmet, the glare, like the idea, like just that room, the sunroom, and the way they shot the sun glaring in. It's just a lot of interesting, cool choices and decisions too. Like there's moments when they're exploring that first icarus ship or whatever and the, mm-hmm. the light goes across the camera and it just flashes faces of the crew that was on there i don't know if y'all picked up on that or not but <laughs> yeah it was just like just he finds the only word i could think of is cool he finds ways to make cool decisions and it makes the movie cool i don't know man he just i like it he has style and it's not a style you can well, identify like it's not like Tarantino where you get the witty dialogue and all that crazy stuff. It's not Joss Whedon. It's not like Wes Anderson. But he just he doesn't have a style, but he just makes every script better than it probably should be. 
And so I will agree with you for part of that, that especially with this movie. Um, and this will be a good segue into our negatives um, that without a good director with a cohesive vision, this movie is could very, very easily get off track. Yeah. Because of, well, here it goes, the tonal shift. Um, very, very stark tonal shift in the third act. So the last 30 minutes of the movie. So we go to a hard sci-fi movie to essentially like a slasher flick. And it's just... Mm. Yeah, I don't... That's the common complaint, right? That's because people say they love the movie, but that last act they don't like. But I, I, I kept an eye out for it this time, but it, it's really only like the slasher part. It only lasts like five minutes. Then they're just kind of like, where is he? You know, I, I think it's just the fact of how hard they just jump into the, uh, the slasher part. Yeah. And I feel like you could have had it still where it was similar but not have them be so monstrous. And I felt like that would have felt more tonal with the movie that it was just a madman rather than someone who pretty much lost his hum- whole humanity of skin and everything. And it just felt a bit out of place for what we've been talking about and mean uh, such a hard sci-fi movie. I feel like you just had someone with a bad case of cabin fever locked away. That would have worked better. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Oh, my gosh. We just did it. I am <laughs> it. on the board. We all agreed. Y'all, we had a good run. It's been nice. <laughs> and like, Maybe fix. Let's go. <laughs> I, I, I always defend this movie, even though that is, I guess it's a flaw of a movie, but I, I guess never thought about it like that. Like, I, I actually like the decision. They, they find this guy who's been just five to seven years just alone in the spaceship, and he's lost his damn mind. But you're right. What they did... With the, like, they made, almost made him like super strong. He was like lifting him up by the neck at one point. It was like, what are we doing here? He's not a super soldier. Like, he's just, if anything, he'd be weak, you know? Um, yeah. But the idea is there. The execution of that, that lost man was a little off. But it's not like still, like audience, just know it's not a slasher movie at all. There's just a hint of it at the end. And... Yeah, I, I think you're right. Maybe you tweak that part down a little bit. See, for me, I think it would be more clever since he's so familiar with the first ship, mm-hmm. spent so much time on the first ship, and both ships are pretty much the same. Have him use the knowledge of what he knows on the second ship to sort of get advantage over everybody because he spent so much time on the first ship. I mean, yeah, there, yeah, there are yeah, different ways. I'm to... just using that as an example, but yeah, no, there were different <laughs> ways to go about it, and I mean, like. Ray, like we're big horror aficionados, so like slasher also doesn't necessarily always go into like, oh, I'm gonna come over and slash these people. It's also the imminent threat of, you know, death due to someone with a knife mm-hmm. or due to something this that also goes into slasher movies. And so that's why I didn't really like that shift because again, this guy has been on this ship for how long? He should be severely emaciated. I mean, like, yeah. again, that was my issue with, like, those were my issue with triple threat throwback um, <laughs> when the guy that they broke out of prison had, like, an eight-pack and, like, pecs that, and arms that were big as my body. Yeah. Like, they just broke this dude out of prison after being there for a couple years, like, in a hole. And now this <laughs> comes out, like, Jack, no, he should be emaciated. There's so, essentially, same thing. 
but he comes out like superhuman and it's just hey man what what what's happening here it's almost like the sun gave him powers or something yeah they could have they could have reworked that part of it i agree with you completely i think we all do but we all like the and idea it, it's the execution yeah. of it and it just sucks because like the first hour and 15 of the movie was like so good and so like it was a really good slow burn because i know you texted us it was like it's kind of slow but i was like it's okay if it's slow but is it still burning and so that's yeah. why i get like slow burn and that's what it was but then it's like okay i'm ready for the payoff but then the payoff is like hey tonal shift for the payoff and i'm like no well hey, <laughs> i didn't that want makes, to that for makes the me wonder um did it kind of ruin the movie for you? Because I thought like at the end of the movie, it really ended really well with him, I guess, setting off the bomb and just the whole, the sense of hope at the end and all that stuff. But I guess, did it just leave a bad taste in your mouth? Although it's like having a really great meal and then like the last bite is like bad or is it, did it ruin the whole meal for you? I mean, like, because the very end of the movie, it tried to like, okay, well now this, this is over. We're going to go back to where we were before the whole bad guy slasher. So then the tone at the very end tried to shift right back to where it was before that even happened. And it's just like, well, no, you've already created this new story. You got to go. You can't like, oh, fuck, go back. <laughs> you can't like smash that button. And I felt like it tried to smash that button, which if I eliminate the whole 30 minute slasher portion then yeah, it fits, and it's good. So if we're fixing the movie, we we tone down that part, and we make it more of this crazy guy is on board. He's he's not like some super... He's not hunting people, like stalking them, like some kind of predator, but he's he's sabotaging things, and it's just... Maybe we make that scene like 10 minutes longer and make it a little bit more realistic. I don't know. Your, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. what I was going with with it. Um, I do like the very end because uh, you're talking about how it was ending and everything. I like when he's trying to activate the bomb and to uh, restart the uh, sun and everything. And I like, I really like how they went back to Earth and show, oh man, yeah, Earth was in trouble, and yeah. they there wasn't, they didn't have much time left. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do have. That's another one of my gripes, and it's like a, I don't, it's like a plot hole gripe, because they mention that this is the second Icarus, the second bomb. Mm -hmm. They have mined Earth of all of its resources to make this second bomb. But then why are they going to save Earth if Earth well, has no more resources? I, I think they mean the more the resources to make this bomb. So, like, to make, like, the biggest nuclear bomb they can. So, it's not, like, all of its resources. It's more resources to make this plan execute. That's how I took it when they said it that way. Okay. So, I mean, I yeah, took it, it the like other way. Food. <laughs> well, no, I mean, not that resource, but, like, mineral resources. Like, yeah. uh, like that's, that's the way that I took it. We used all of our mineral resources to yeah. make this bomb. And so, then it's like, well, if you're out of minerals, then look. Like, why are you saving Earth then? Yeah, I, I took it more like, oh, we we picked up all the plutonium we could to make this bomb that's the size of Manhattan, basically. 
let's talk about the cast a little bit here. The cast, I thought, like we already talked about, it, it was pretty fantastic. Um, Chris Evans, I'm just gonna say it now. He's my MVP. He was he was the best part of this because he was an asshole, but he really wasn't. He was like the only guy who was just like, no, y'all, we have a mission. And I know I'm coming off kind of hard right now, but like the fate of the world depends on it. And you want to alter that? Like he, he was just, he was no nonsense. Like this is the mission. Do not stray from it. I may come off as an asshole, but I'm a necessary asshole. It was never every choice you make. Huh? Yeah. Every choice you make, you have to realize is going to have consequences. <laughs> and yeah, but he never, he wasn't an asshole to be mean. It was, for a good reason, I guess. I don't know. I just, I really liked his character, although I didn't like his wig at the start. <laughs> I was like, why does he have long hair? Just so they can have the line where they tell him to cut his hair. Like, what's the point of him having long hair and cutting it off later? I didn't get that part of it. I don't know. Jared? Well, I think it was supposed to tell the story about how long they were up there. So, oh, yeah. essentially, you know how I hate exposition. Yeah, I felt like that was a moment where they were telling how long they've been in space without having unnecessary exposition. <laughs> All right. So you look at the calendar and say, oh, I've been here for 60 days out in space or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so no, I like, I, I understand why they did it and I actually like that he did it that way because they never formally explained how long they were up there. We just assumed they were up there for a long time because a couple of the characters had like facial hair or longer hair or they look unkempt. So they're not holding our hands saying, oh, no, we've been up here for, uh, as Jordan said, pointed at the calendar, this many days. <laughs> <laughs> like tally marks on the jail cell. <laughs> so, I love no, that trope. Like, I don't care. Tally marks yeah, in the jail it, cell. It's, it, it's a dumb trope, but like, I'm glad the movie, I'm glad this movie did that because they, because essentially what's the other alternative, like an unnecessary line of exposition versus hey this guy has long hair yeah um i don't know the whole cast was good i, I really like how diverse it was um michelle yo was great i i like how they all had their own kind of personality even like the captain at one point he was like when it came when push came to shove he caved he was like no no i'm getting in that suit like i'm sorry i'm the captain i'm ordering you to get out of that suit right now even though it wasn't what was best for the mission I like okay, so you're talking about the uh, the comms officer who later becomes yeah the, captain, the second captain, the captain I guess yeah I'm sorry okay yeah I guess yeah that uh, man I'm terrible with names but the what's his name Kaneda in the movie I think his name was yeah was the captain Kaneda. and then that random white guy who shows up on TV shows <laughs> was the captain next after he died and I just I liked his. I mean, he was just human. He was like, "I'm not dying here. Give me, give me that suit. I'm the captain. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go." Just little moments like that. I don't know, what was, what did you like about the movie, Jared, the most? Um, Let's like, say the most. What did I like in the most? Um, probably. So it's a tie between the cast because I mean we haven't talked about. Um, we failed to mention Cliff Curtis who was the uh, psychological officer, the doctor, mm -hmm. um, who kept going to the son's sunroom, whose skin was peeling throughout the movie we saw because he just enjoyed the sun. He was actually the first character we were introduced to. Um, yeah, that was a cool detail. So, 
Yeah, no, he does. He's in a lot of he's in a lot of damn movies. Um, but no, I thought he was really fantastic. So outside of the cast, which we talked about, um, which we keep talking about, um, definitely the shots. So like the beautiful shots. As I was watching it on TV in the dark on a big screen. I mean, I think all screens are big now, so that's kind of redundant and showing my <laughs> age. Um, forgive me, listeners, if we have any young listeners. Um, this is where my students um, would call me a boomer. <laughs> well, you didn't watch it in your CRT, did you? Oh, did uh, you imagine <laughs> watching this movie on a CRT TV? What a waste! <laughs> uh, yes, 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 big time waste. So, um, I would have loved to watch this movie in theaters. Um, because it's just such beautiful oh, shots, yeah. especially like an IMAX. Um, but no, it was a beautiful movie. And when I was watching it, I was trying to think of some of the most beautiful, like, well, sh- like shot movies that we've seen thus far. And um, I mean, obviously, hate to say it's an animated movie, but it probably is probably the best shot movie we've I think have had. It is in um, Ghost in a Shell. And so I think this movie yeah. rivals that in terms of like the sheer beauty. Yeah, I felt like every frame could be like a picture you could just hang on a wall or something. Like it was all or like a, a screensaver or something. It was really good. I, I agree. The cinematography was my my only complaint. My my only Oscar complaint is like I know this is not an Oscar type movie, but did y'all watch it? Because like nominate it for cinematography. It, it's that good. Um. Yorton, what was your favorite part? I I feel like we're just echoing each other right now because I was going to go with cinematography, just the beauty and the playfulness what they had with the light and shadows on it, and then just showing how monstrous the sun itself is and yeah. how much how we are nothing compared to the sun. <laughs> it's literally a giant ball of fire in the sky trying to kill us at all times and we forget that sometimes um and the other thing is i'll I'll say with the cinematography and everything just the sense of scale of everything in that movie with like the whole the whole icarus space station spaceship whatever you want to call it uh just massive and just uh felt like very lived in yeah, they had exposed wires everywhere, and they wanted to kind of make it feel like it had, it was lived in and all that stuff. Um, one of the things the movie does real well, I forgot to talk about, is like the opening dialogue really just sets up in the first 30 seconds. He just tells you, our son's dying. We're part of a crew to reignite the sun with this bomb. We've used up all our resources. We are the last hope. And you're like, okay, I understand the movie now. <laughs> Let's go. And I just thought it was really cool how it just set it all up real quick. Yeah, I want to jump to, I guess, best scene. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a lot of good scenes in here, man, where I was like, I know what happens, and I'm still clinching the chair. Um, one of them was the airlock scene, where they have to jump to the other, like, they connect with the lost Icarus ship, and mm-hmm. then it gets separated, and the only way to get across is to literally get sucked out and hope you land inside the other ship. It was just a really tense, tense scene. Um, That's probably my favorite scene. But my favorite moment is when the computer's like, we won't have enough oxygen to get there. What are you talking about? We have four crew members. And then it says, there are five crew members. 
and it's like, oh shit, <laughs> you know what's going on? I know that signals like the that starts the the biggest flaw in the movie for a lot of people, but that one moment mm-hmm. was like, oh shit. I thought it was really cool. Um, whatever planet that was, was it Jupiter or Mercury crossing the sun, and they all just had a moment of quiet, calm, and yeah, it was Mercury. It was the closest planet to the sun. And it was just them just having a moment of like, this is nice. Like, no one else in the world has ever seen this or will ever see this. And it's just cool. Do you have any nominees you want to put up here? For me, the best scene, the one that I always remember for this movie when I see that, is when uh, uh, Kappa, the main character, and the captain are doing the repairs on the uh, the shielding. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the the starships, or the spaceships, trying to get back in with the sun, with uh, move back, and they're racing against the sun. That to me, I just always thought that is just a great, great looking scene, and I really enjoy the both the pacing of it and what's going on and visually of the movie. Yeah, the whole mirror part of that ship is a really neat idea. Just a bunch of mirrors. Is that what's happening? Like I don't. Is that what that? I don't know. I think I don't know if it's just like mirrors or just uh, panels to just like that could absorb a lot of heat. I don't know exactly. They didn't go technically. We just kind of go it with was. it. It's just the shielding. I just called it the shielding. Jared, you want to add anything? Um, my favorite scene is when they were exploring the first Icarus, and then uh, I mean, obviously, yes. Again, it goes into the tonal shift, the biggest issue. But I just love them going to explore and figure out what happened and just trying to decide. Because I know, I mean, we all play our fair share. Like, we played our fair share of survival horror games. Dead Space. And so, like, some of my favorite parts, especially in The Last of Us, um, is exploring, like, some of the Firefly camps. So, for the listeners, Fireflies are the ones who, like, create these camps or try and, like, help save people from the plague. And so exploring overran camps that the zombies have taken over and then you find their journals and just like find different like dog tags or just figure out what's going on or what's happening. And you try and piece it together. And so I love just like exploring those moments personally and then being able to see it on screen is just a great feeling because I felt like they were just turning over everything trying to figure out like what happened. Yeah, man, you got me thinking about there's this. I can't remember the name, but there's this note you find in The Last of Us, and it's this guy, and they're like they're like living in the sewers, and oh, I think it's Ish. I think ish, it's name. Ish. Yeah, and you just you read all these notes about him, and you see their their home, and you see like the little nursery they had a school set up down there, and everything. It's just so they world build so good in that game. Oh yeah, Ish. Yeah, that's the name. And then of it. I miss it all the way. And then also, second. Resident Evil is really good, or the old ones at least, of having these files you read and kind of give you more clues about what's going on. That was good too. Yeah, I love that too. I'm with you. That I also like in that scene how they're like, they're looking to make sure if they can use anything. Like, oh my God, the garden's good in here. Like, we have we have fresh garden. We have all this stuff, and and then ultimately they can't use any of it. Um, is that your scene? You're gonna vote for that one? Yep. I'm going to go, yeah, I changed. I won't go with that one, too. 
Just because the <laughs> first time you watch it, you don't know anything. Like, is someone going to be in that ship? Is there monsters? Is this going to be an alien movie? You just don't know anything. Like, the possibilities are endless. So, I think it's really, really well shot. Yorton, what's your vote? But, oh, that's what I was saying before with the, uh, the okay. whole... I didn't repairing know if you were just adding the, it on shielding. there. Or... Yeah, no, that that by far to me is the biggest standout for me in the movie. This isn't a movie with a lot of like fantastic lines that you're going to quote or anything. So I don't really have any nominees. Do y'all want to throw one out there, or, or we just want to move on to MVP? I don't have any. All right, MVP. So we have Danny Boyle. We have Alex Garland, who is the writer of this movie, which we didn't talk about him. Um, Danny Boyle. Let's t- let's just talk about Danny Boyle first. He has some hitter. He has some. He has a lot of hits and a lot of misses, but I mean, Train Spotting, Twenty Eight Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire, One Hundred Twenty Seven Hours, Sunshine. Like, uh, what else did he do? He did Trance, which I like. Uh, Steve Jobs. Yesterday is a great movie. I've talked about it like eighteen times on this podcast. Like, dude makes good movies. I don't know what else to say. Like, I just, I just trust him. Um, any thoughts on him before we move on? Because I feel like I'm the only one who truly loves him. Everyone is just like, yeah, he's good. Uh, I mean, like, I like Slumdog Millionaire in like 127 hours. I mean, I won't watch that movie anymore, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I enjoy his movies. 127 hours, 28 days later. Yes, Slumdog Billionaire. Enjoyed Wait, all those. Ex Machina? I just feel mm-hmm. like he always makes me, he gives me, like I leave the theater with a lot of emotion <laughs> somehow. And 28 weeks later, I'm just stressed the F out, right? In 127 hours, I'm relieved, you know? Like just that moment when at the end of that movie where he's calling for help because he sees those people and the music builds and it swells and it's like, oh my God, he did it. Um, Slumdog Millionaire like makes me cry every time I, I watch it. It's just that good. This movie is just a whole experience of emotions. I don't know. He's just really good at at movie making. I don't know. I'm really upset. Oh, shit. I forgot he did The Beach. Never mind. I'm back in. He did The Beach? Yeah, that movie is... That's one of my favorite Leo movies. It's so it's weird. So underrated. I like it. I need to rewatch it. I'm just really upset. Oh, yes. He, he quit. He dropped out of the new Bond movie, No Time to Die, because I was... I think he'd make such a good Bond movie. Um, but apparently they he wouldn't kill... They wanted him to kill James Bond. That's the rumor. And he's like, I'm not killing James Bond. And so he ultimately just quit. Well, he's British, so that's why. Huh? I said he's British, so that's why. Yeah. Well, I wonder... Well, that makes me think James Bond dies in no time to die. Even though the movie says... But I don't no even time. know if I want to watch that movie at this juncture. Huh? I don't even know if I want to watch that movie at this juncture. Oh, I'm I'm watching it. I'm like it's just been so long. I just I'm I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I have to watch it. Um, I mean, I'm gonna watch, like clearly we're all three gonna watch it, but like I'm just being honest. Yeah, at no. this juncture, I'm kind of over it. How hyped can you be? I, so, I feel like I sort of need to see the one before. I haven't still seen that one. You haven't seen Spectre. I got behind. You Spectre? Yeah, but seen Spectre. Come on, you call yourself a James Bond it's fan? A fun That's time. how it started. Not a great movie, but it's fun. Um, all right, Alex Garland oh. wrote this movie. He also wrote Twenty Eight Days Later, um, Ex Machina, which is fantastic. I love that movie. 
Um, he wrote. You like that movie? Ex Machina is one of the. I'm not alone. Oh no! I thought everyone loved everybody. That movie. I talked to talk about that movie. It's just like I thought that was a really popular movie yeah. to like. Ex Machina. No, I mean, the, no. Among my group of friends, oh, okay. This is the, you like this, and I'm like. Oscar Isaac is fantastic. Alicia Vandekeer. That dance scene was just so so good. Um, yeah, I love that movie. That movie's fantastic. I I was like, what I go to movies to see. Um, General Hux was great. Oh yeah. Hey, did y'all know that he also wrote Dread? That's the movie I did. I was very surprised to realize that he wrote Dread. The one with Carl Urban. Yeah. That movie sucked. Oh, I liked it. I I think it's I overrated, the but I liked it. Had it. That Larue song. Um, well, go ahead, Jordan. I was going to say though, it's like Dread. I enjoyed, but I wouldn't say like the writing was the strong part of Dread. Yeah, I'm so just surprised was, he wrote it. Yeah, because for me, Dread was like visually great movie. Uh, just fun action, yes, but. Yeah, it's like writing, not the strong point of it, but I enjoyed the movie. He wrote and directed Annihilation, which was a bizarre but gripping movie on Amazon Prime, I think. Um, and he's also writing Halo. So there we go. He wrote the the Devil May Cry reboot trilogy. So or I guess the original game, Devil May Cry, the uh, the reboot. I mean, so in 2013, whatever that means, to anybody. But, uh, I don't know, really good script. Chris Evans is my other nominee. I think he's my choice. I just feel like he stole the show. You look at him in this movie, you're like, that guy's a fucking movie star. (laughs) (laughs) What else can you say about him? My other nominee is the score. The infamous score that has just been used ever since this movie came out. The Walking Dead stole it. A bunch of other movies have just like, well, we're using this in our movie now. Um, That pulsing... I don't even know how to... I'm not going to hum it, but like... Do y'all know which one I'm talking about? You should definitely hum it. Or at least play yeah. it. Huh? Just play it. I'm trying to. I'm opening Spotify right now. And it's, oh my god. It says installing. <laughs> Anyways. Dude, you didn't prep for this? I, I didn't think I was going to play it. It's alright. I got it, y'all. Hold up. I should, oh my god, it's taking so long. Do you see my screen right now? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah okay. I'm sorry. Long, hey, audience, I, I know you, this is your favorite part of the podcast. We don't know what we're doing. There, there we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, okay. We're going to skip ahead. Skip ahead again. Music kicks out and it's just that piano, just a really well-made score. This sound that sounds like a like like one of those videos that you watch when you're at 
those before and after videos that you watch at church camp. Like, look who we did in like the, the last five days here at church camp. We renovated this entire place, and you're right. It sounds like the piano that they used to do like this. I'm not experienced with going to church camp, so I'll take your I've word on that. I've seen those videos. I understand. <laughs> I'm going to vote for Chris Evans here. We got Danny Boyle, Alex Garland, Chris Evans, and the score. But it's hard to go against. I mean, I'll, I would say there's four good choices there. I'm going, damn, Chris, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Danny Boyle or Chris Evans, I can't pick. Jordan, who do you got? I am going to go with the cinematographer. Just because I love the cinematography of this movie. Let's look him up. We can't just say it and not do anything. We Alan H. Cooler. Alan H. Cooler. I think that's It's German, so or it's got the little German dots over you. So I'm guessing that's how you say it. I don't know for sure. I'm looking at the his IMDb though. I'm like, man, he he didn't do like anything that's like big and like. He took his big shot. He's like, man, I'm going to be the cinematography for for a movie. I am going to go all out because he does. He doesn't done that many movies. He does a ton of documentaries and TV series. Well, I wonder how but, much of that was Danny Boyle kind of like telling him, "I need this shot. I need this shot. I need you to do this for me." Because it, it feels like after this movie, his career would have taken off. But hey, he's. I'm looking mm-hmm. at him now. Alan Alwyn. H. Cooler. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Divergent. Hannah was a good movie. Tetris. There's a Tetris movie coming out. Oh, man. He's hit rock bottom. Um, cool. Jared, who's your pick? Um, Danny Boyle. Because I keep going back to, like... So, I don't know whose call it was or if it was in the script and he just went with it, but especially with the cast that he had and then the tunnel shift he'd done with, or he had to deal with, that it's easy to, to lose focus of what you're doing, and it's easy for this movie to get off the rails, but he kept it together. So, I mean, like I said, I don't hate this movie. I actually enjoyed the first two-thirds of it, so I got to give him the go. I think I'm going to go with him, too. He's, he's just good. I actually had the cinematographer, <coughs> Yorton, as the sixth man. Uh, who's your sixth man, Yorton? Sixth man. I am going to go with Chris Evans for the sixth man. Just because okay. I, I felt like he, he did just a standout performance, I feel like, in this movie. Jared? Um, I got to go Killian Murphy. Good um, I, the, first, the first time I watched it, I didn't like his character. But this is, I think, the third time I've seen this movie. And I just like this character more and more this time around. Like, every time I watch it. Uh, I'm going to shout out two things here. The soundtrack, and I'm just going to shout out diversity as well. Um, What I love about Danny Boyle is he's not afraid to mix it up. If you, everyone in this cast is almost a different race or different origin. Or origin. um, (laughs) Whatever. Uh, It's late. Um. But also, like, he made a movie, I want to talk about it again, called Yesterday, and the lead actor is an Indian, uh, of Indian descent, and it's never addressed, it's never brought up, it's not part of the storyline, and it was just really cool how his main character is from the Middle East, and it's not even addressed, because 
they don't get many lead roles in, in movies like that. And it was just really cool. So he's always looking out for for everyone, it seems like. Anything you want to shout out, Jared? Uh, no, I'm going to piggyback off you on that one, um, Diversity. Um, because my favorite movie by him is Slumdog Millionaire. And, well, we know that movie takes place in India. Mm-hmm. Um, but it mainly focuses on this boy and his journey from coming from the slums to where he is on that stage and to where he's going to go. But they don't really address the country or like, oh, hey, by the way, this movie takes place in India, in case you didn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they never really bring up like anything outside of India besides like, obviously, the cult, not, like the slums in India. So it just treats it like, hey, it's New York. But we don't get to tell you it's New York because you can, you know it's New York. But any of the movie who like, oh, hey, I'm also in this country. But then that's where I tell you guys, they put the filter over it to make you think like, oh, yeah, this country's really gritty. That's really- <laughs> but he doesn't do that. He yeah. doesn't do that. So, no. Like, sorry, that's a diatribe about Slumdog Millionaire, but that's me agreeing with you, and it's very diverse. Your- and my brain is very tired. Shout out, your <laughs> Uh, shout out. Uh, I'm going to go with the uh, the captain of the, the ship in the movie. I really enjoyed his part on it, along with, and I'm also going to, uh, Cliff Curtis, which I feel like maybe I should have put higher, but just because we are doing the secondaries. I thought he had a ver- uh, very unique and different role that you typically see in movies, with him, like, loving the sun and, like, getting bathed in and everything. And so those are the two things I want to give shout-outs to. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's go to trivia real quick. I only got really three. The plot does not revolve around the sun dying in the normal sense. This is not, or this is not due for around five billion years, based on our understanding of nuclear fission. It instead has been infected with a cue ball, which is a supersymmetric nucleus left over from the Big Bang that is disrupting the normal matter. This is a theor- theoretical particle that scientists at CERN are currently trying to confirm and is one of the many contributions of the science advisor. The film's bomb is meant to blast the cue ball to its constituent parts, um, which will then naturally decay, allowing the sun to return to normal. So that's convoluted as hell. I'm glad I didn't dive into that. Um, (laughs) The film takes place in the year 2057, as you can see on my screen. And I did not realize Mark Strong played the fifth member of the crew that was left over from the other ship. Did not realize that was Mark Strong. Did y'all? Do y'all know who Mark Strong is? Or am I alone here? I don't think yeah. just because I looked it up later on it. But then I could see that. As when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah. The guy from... Uh, uh, Kingsman. Everything. Yeah, yeah everything. Uh, <laughs> Jared. In 1917, I'm trying to think of the big two ones I've seen lately with him in the it. The guy from that movie. Uh, yeah, every movie. That comes, um, this movie had a 77 on Rotten Tomatoes, 73 audience score. It had a box of box office. I'm sorry, it had a budget of 40 million. It only grossed 32 million though. And I'll say this: I didn't even know this movie existed until like years after it came out. Like I never saw trailers for it. I never saw it in theaters. Something happened marketing wise, and I don't think they just. I don't think they marketed it well in, in America. Did y'all ever see posters for this? 
Well, 2007 would have been a hard year for me to go and see posters oh, yeah, you in were... your normal advertisement. <laughs> yeah, you were you were in a different country. Um, Jerry, yeah. do you remember anything? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at you. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, right, you know, I was kind of busy in 2007. <laughs> Jordan, what the fuck were you doing, dude? What are you doing out we, overseas, buddy? We're in America. Like, come what? And take a year-long vacation? <laughs> like, seriously, who takes vacations in, like, checks notes? Uh, oh, Afghanistan, Afghanistan, Iraq? Yeah, yeah. Real it was Iraq. Beaches. I was in... <laughs> <laughs> at that time, so it's like, nope, did not see your normal advertisement, so I can't just the advertisement for that movie. <laughs> come on, come on. Vacations in, squints, Iraq. Huh. Okay, sorry. Um, no, I... But I don't remember, Ray. Sorry. But I don't either, man. I don't remember this ever being marketed or anything. That and you, it, that's crazy. It has Avengers in them and Batman villains. <laughs> it just makes no sense to me. Um, it had a lot of. Well, stars. this was before the. Uh, I know, the Avengers, movies but they were and... still they had, they made a name for themselves before, like they were known. He had, I think, he'd done Fantastic Four at that point. The Fantastic Two already just came out, and I don't think that was the biggest note of like hey look <laughs> he was still a movie star um <laughs> hey man i think michael b jordan even like sp- like sponge cleaned his record of uh <laughs> even the fantastic four reboot yeah people forget he was in that which is probably for the best um, no it definitely is Roger Ebert gave this movie three out of four stars. He said, Younger girls won't like this movie unless they know what happens under an automobile hood. Younger boys won't like it because the only thing that's possible that's going to blow up real good is the sun. But science fiction fans will like it, and also brainiacs, and those who sometimes look at the sky and think, Man, there's a lot going on up there, and we can't even define precisely what a solution is, or a soliton is. I don't know. I, I may have messed up the words. Whatever. Um, I. I'm going to highly recommend this movie for anyone who's interested in sci-fi at all. Um, I don't think this movie, I think I agree with Roger Ebert. If you're on a date and your girl is not into science fiction, this she's not going to like this movie. Maybe. Captain America's in it. Maybe she'll retroactively like it. But I don't think so. But if you're just a fan of just like popcorn cinema, smart cinema, I think this movie's for you. Um... Jordan, would you recommend it? Yeah, I'd definitely recommend this movie. Jared? Uh, this was the tough part for me because of the tonal shift. And I'm just like... Because I want to recommend a good sci-fi movie, but the tonal shift sucks. If I'm keeping it It up. really ruins the whole movie for you? No, it doesn't ruin it for me, but I don't want to like, hey, I don't want to attach my name like, hey, go watch this movie. <laughs> Then they watch and they're just like, "Hey, Jared, this this ending sucks." It's funny how it hits so, you. I think, man, it's funny. It really, it really soured it for you, man. That's funny. It, I, I it, get the complaints. I guess I just, I enjoy so much of the movie that I guess I overlook and, it. But I like I said, it. like I was saying at the beginning, I think it just goes into Jordan providing a new lens for me to look through sci-fi movies through, and so. When I was looking through it through the new lens, it was just real. It was just so much better than what it always was. Mm-hmm. And then that's why I think that's why the tonal shift like hit me really hard this time around is because 
I was really enthralled by the sci-fi nature of the movie. But you know my favorite genre of film are horror. And then it just dives, just like starts in a pig going into a trough of like horror movie tropes. And it's just like, but where did this come from? Yeah, yeah. This is like the lowest hanging fruit of like cinema is horror. Trust me, I know. I've seen a bunch. And guess what? Tomorrow starts my second viewing of 31 Days of Horror or Terror. 31 Days of Terror. So I watch a new horror movie every night through the month of October. Sleepaway Camp 2. Just saying. uh, Sleepaway Camp 1 was fucking awful. Awful and great. Um, um, But essentially what I'm saying is like horror is almost some of the lowest brow cinema. And so it just sucks watching a movie that was so high brow just like get down in the dumps and just like slum it with horror films. Well, this movie definitely that is the flaw of the movie, if there is one, right? But it it didn't hit me it didn't affect me quite as much as it affected you. In fact, I'm putting this in the Hall of Fame because I just think that it's so cinematic and enjoyable that it kinda overshadows I can overlook that flaw. You know, even though I'm like, man, it could be better right there, but the rest of the movie is so damn good. I'm cool with it. And I've seen the movie now. This is probably my fifth or sixth time. So, I mean, it's hard for me to, if I said no, I'd be lying, you know, like, because I have seen it over and over again. So it'd be straight up lie if I said no. So it's going in the Hall of Fame for me. Jared, I'm assuming no for you, right? Nope. All right. Yorton, talk. Hall of Fame, probably not. I've seen this movie three times now, but I don't think I'll put it in my Hall of Fame for it. Awesome. Well, I'm fucking devastated. I'm just joking. Um, (laughs) No, that's the way it is, man. It's in my personal Hall of Fame for sure. Um, All right, y'all. That was Sunshine. I I think we talked about all we needed to talk about there. So next week, we decided we're gonna... We all agreed that because we watched all the Tom Clancy movies early on, all the Jack Ryan movies that we haven't seen or talked about without remorse. And that is an extension of that universe because I don't know his name. I always forget. What's his name? Clark. Clark, who is in a couple of the movies we previously watched. Now, this is clearly not attached to those movies, but it's the same character. We're going to watch it and we're going to talk about it. And you should watch it, too. I think it's on Amazon Prime. So correct. It's an Amazon Prime movie. So yeah, Michael B. Jordan switching the race up a bit, which I'm for. I, I'm for Michael B. Jordan playing anything. To be honest with you, so um, should be a good time. I hope it's good, man. Then we get to. I think. I think we should after after that we should rank our Jack Ryan movies and just count that in there. Cool. Any last co- Any last thoughts? I almost said cocks. That would have been bad. Any last <laughs> thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, spooky season is upon us. Hell yeah. So I'm just going to let y'all know, please enjoy this October. Eat unhealthy candy. Watch as many horror films as you can. Smell all the apple cider and just fall other shit smells that smell <laughs> amazing. And uh, stay away from pumpkin spice lattes. Oh, no. Eat all the pumpkin spice lattes you can. Hey, do you already have your movie picked out, Jared? For horror? Yeah. No. 
Okay, I figured you've been sitting on one, just waiting to unleash it on us. Buddy, do you know how many I've been sitting on? <laughs> I, I'm watching 31 movies this month. Horror movies. I I've been sitting on a lot. Can you do Evil Dead and I'll do Evil Dead 2? I'm just joking. <laughs> I, w- I want to watch Evil Dead with you guys. That'd be so fun. No, but that is on my uh, list of horror films. Oh, man. Just, will you just Steve? do a running commentary like on WhatsApp with me? As you're watching it, just like message me because I, I would love to hear your thoughts. I want to relive that movie through your text. So I've only seen the first one, actually. Oh, I've man. never seen the second one, so I'm super excited. It's like a remake almost, which more blood. Oh, really? I mean, it's not. It's well, yeah, they completely changed the uh, the style of the movie. Yeah. yeah no, I've only seen, no, I've only no seen the they movie. didn't. It's not complete. It's almost the same exact thing with just more blood and. Yeah, I think you're thinking the third movie, Orton, Army of Darkness. Yeah, that's... I mean, I love Sam Raimi, so I don't know what we're talking about. It, it's it's crazy. All right, we're we're getting off track. All right, y'all. Until next time, we will see you guys later. Bye.